Thank you. Get myself together here. There's quite a few things that we're going to discuss tonight. Uh, we're going to look into God's Word here in just a moment and then have some announcements, some things I want to share with you about ministries in the church and this project uh, that I've mentioned to you uh, related to our uh, native ministry. I want to share some things with you tonight and give you um, some insight, maybe help cast some vision here and share with you the things that are going to be required or needed of you and your help as well. So we'll talk about that um, and then just an item, a quick item of business as well. And so we're going to have several of these things tonight and we'll take care of some family business and all of that as well. But before we get to any of that, let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 5, please. Once you get there, I want you to hold your place and then quickly turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We welcome Job and Sabrina Fort back, and especially Titus. I missed him more than you two. I just want you to know. I'm kidding. Glad you're all back. And uh, they had a safe trip through Canada. And so glad you're home. Also good to have Mrs. McCandless here tonight. Pastor McCandless's wife. There's a couple of Mrs. McCandlesses in the church. Maybe we should refer to you as grandmother to all of the cute children rather than Josh and Ron's mother. It would be better to refer to you that way. So welcome to you too. Uh, good to see all of you here tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Notice that verse tells us that what we possess in our body we have of God. And he says, you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, because of that, because you're not your own, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There's no mistaking uh, from these verses uh, who we belong to. Amen? We belong to the Lord, and what we have is of God. And the Bible says, therefore, because of that, our purpose is to glorify God in our body and in our spirits, which are God's. And so we know that we are not our own. And because we are not our own, we're commanded to bring glory to our owner with our lives. How do we do that? Well, a lot of things we could talk about tonight and many things you already know. But what I want to talk about tonight and one of the ways that we bring glory to God is through fulfilling our command and our purpose of being a witness for Christ. We've just come off our missions conference, which ended Sunday. It was a tremendous, tremendous missions conference. Uh, one of the better ones for me personally as far as encouragement goes. And, the th and really the theme that kind of developed out of it for me was it's not so much teaching on missions. We know missions principles, and we practice indigenous missions principles, and we know what our responsibility is. You're a well-taught church regarding missions. What came out of it for me mostly was a sense of hope, a sense of encouragement, a sense of 
of confidence that we just need to simply surrender and obey and God's going to do marvelous and miraculous things. And, and that, is, that was encouraging for me uh, because of the fact that we labor and we toil and, we, and sometimes we feel frustration because it doesn't seem as though much is happening and, and, and we look at the world and we look at the, the hard-heartedness of people in America and all of those things can impact the child of God. Nevertheless, the command as was brought out in our missions conference hasn't changed. Amen? Our job and our responsibility hasn't changed. And as long as we're here, the Lord has a purpose for us to be a witness for Christ. Jesus said in Acts 1, 8, When the Spirit of God comes upon you, ye shall be witnesses unto me. There's no mistaking what the Lord's direction and purpose is. And so what I'm simply saying is one of the ways in which we bring glory to God, because we're not our own, is to fulfill that purpose that Christ has given to us. So often being obedient and fulfilling God's purpose for our life, though, is going to cost us something. It's not going to be easy or a life of ease. Many times people are excited. We get excited about coming off of a missions conference like that, and maybe there's a little excitement for a while, but then we begin to realize as we engage that, that this actually costs something more of me or requires more of me than maybe I was anticipating to begin with. The cost of discipleship, the cost of truly following Christ and there's a lot of Christian people, sadly, that when they begin to realize what following Christ actually will cost them, there are things that they're not willing to give up in their life or things they're not willing to surrender. And so they never really commit themselves to the Lord. And we can live life like that, but here's the thing. And we have the freedom to do it. But one of these days we're going to stand before God. And we're going to give an account. And how many Christian people will come empty-handed before the Lord because of the way that they chose to live their life? Well, I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 5, back to our text tonight. That was just some introductory thoughts here. And our text is Luke chapter 5. And we're going to look at this account and tonight we're going to look at what serving the Lord requires or what catching men will require of God's people and what lessons can we learn from this tonight. I'll be very brief with this passage, not very exhaustive necessarily, but highlight two principles and then talk about some other things tonight. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, to hear the word of God. Wouldn't that be a great thing? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? The people pressing on us to be able to hear the word of God. We see things like that in other countries still. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing if that were true in our day or in America? And what would we do? Would we be ready? But nonetheless, the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. The Bible says he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. 
And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ships, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Tonight I want to talk to you about catching men. That's the title of the message, Catching Men, or From Henceforth Thou Shalt Catch Men. Let's pray, and then we'll just consider two brief thoughts here tonight. Heavenly Father, would you encourage us with your word tonight? Thank you, Lord, for it, and thank you for our missions conference and the challenge and the encouragement that it was. And Lord, we look forward to the days ahead. We look forward to further ministry and reaching out into this world with the gospel. And Lord, I pray that you would enable us and empower us to catch men. For the glory of God, in Jesus' name, amen. Tonight I want to just look at a couple of things that will help us to understand and see what serving the Lord will require or what catching men will require and see some lessons that we can learn tonight. First of all, what we find in this passage is that catching men is going to require some personal sacrifice. Some personal sacrifice. We look at verse 5, and Simon answering said unto him, what was he answering? While he was answering Jesus' command to launch out into the deep and to let down your net for a draft. And his answer was, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And you notice here in verse 5 that Peter says, We have toiled all the night doing this very thing that you've asked us to do. We've already been doing and we've toiled all the night doing it. The word toil here, it means to exert strength. It means with pain and fatigue involved. It means to labor, to struggle. And what Peter is saying is, Master, we've been doing what you've asked us to do. We've already been doing it with pain and fatigue and strength and labor and struggle. We've been doing it. Nevertheless, at thy word, we'll do it again. You follow that? But then notice verse 10, Jesus says to him, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. The reason I say this, and I'm jumping to this point right here, is to just kind of get to the point of this whole 
illustration, this whole miracle that Jesus performed. Jesus was trying to teach Peter and the other disciples to teach them a lesson about following Christ, to teach them a lesson about what it's going to require to be a a, a fisher of men. And he was trying to show them and to teach them that it's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take some labor, but it's not necessarily about your sacrifice as much as it is about my power involved in the sacrifice. There's going to be some physical toiling, some physical labor involved in being a soul winner, in being a witness for Jesus Christ, in being one who will catch men. Jesus said the point of all of this, from here on out, Peter, you're going to catch men. And you understand that following me and being a fisher of men is going to require some physical toiling, some sacrifice on your part. But you know what? I think we all know that that's true. In Luke chapter 14, if you just turn over a few pages to Luke chapter 14, in verse 23, Jesus said in this context here regarding the master and these, the servants, Jesus said, The Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. The command of the master or the Lord to the servant was to go out into the highways and the hedges. In Acts chapter 20, in verse 20, where Paul is talking to the, to the elders of the church at Ephesus, Paul t- tells them, and all the time that I was with you, you know this to be true, that I didn't, I didn't cease to teach everyone night and day. And Paul says, not only did it, was I teaching night and day, but I went house to house preaching Jesus Christ. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. What I'm simply saying is that to labor as a fisher of men is going to require some personal sacrifice that's going to entail some physical toiling, some struggle. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 23, Paul says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often of the Jews. Five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities, that God and fa- the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. The Apostle Paul just kind of sort of lays it out here. The physical toiling 
and the personal sacrifice that it cost him to be a fisher of men. You know, sometimes I get weary in service of the Lord. I think sometimes maybe you do too. But weariness and and fatigue and pain is part of sacrifice. And Jesus said, if, if, if we are not willing to die to ourselves, to take up our cross, we're not worthy of Him. We're not worthy to be His disciple. Peter said to the Lord, we've struggled all the night. We've been doing already what you're asking us to do, and we've struggled all the night. Nevertheless, I'll do it again. There's an element of physical labor that it's going to cost us, brethren. It's going to take effort. But it's not so much in our effort and in our labor as much as it's dependent on Christ's power to work the miracle. Amen? Verse 10, Jesus told Peter, fear not. Like the realization of this of the labor and the toil and the pain and the fatigue. Why did Jesus say, fear not, in all of that? Well, they were in awe at the power of Christ, certainly. And Christ demonstrated His power to them in that physical way. And it caused them to fall on their knees before the Lord. And Jesus says, fear not, in the same way, in the same power, from here on out, you're going to be a fisher of men. Listen, what I'm saying is we can continue on with life. We can continue on same old, same old. Or we can have a surrendered heart that is willing to labor and toil while trusting the power of Christ to work a miracle and do something great. But I'm willing to do the sacrifice. I'm willing to put in the labor. There's physical toiling, but also there's spiritual toiling. Remember that word toil means to labor, to, to fatigue. There's spiritual toiling. You know, every attempt to win the lost is an attack on Satan's kingdom. There's a spiritual aspect to the labor and to the toil, to the sacrifice. Satan doesn't want his kingdom attacked. And so guess what? He's going to fight. And this is why we toil in the work. Also why it can be discouraging or fatiguing at times. Because, because this, this work that we're doing for Christ is an attack on Satan's kingdom. And what Satan is going to do is he's going to try to attempt to discourage us with the work. Discouragement is a major factor why people quit in the ministry. Discouragement with sometimes hard-hearted people who won't follow, who don't have a relationship with the Lord, who don't want to serve Christ. Sometimes discouragement with what seems to be a lack of results. But you know what? When we are focused on results 
when that is what we're shooting for, our drive is soon going to be diminished because that's the wrong goal. Results is the wrong goal. And when we don't see them, our drive is going to be soon diminished and we become discouraged. Listen, we need to labor and we need to toil for Christ because of the command of Christ to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're commanded to be sowers of the seed. We're commanded to go out into the highways and hedges, compelling them. We're not commanded to save people. And what we need to do is simply be obedient because of the command and simply let the Lord do His work. Psalm 126 and verse 5. Turn over there, please. Psalm 126 and verse 5 says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. It's a promise. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Galatians 6, 9 says that in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. In verse 3, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Looking unto Jesus. Satan's going to try to discourage with the work, but we need to remember that it's not about results, it's about sowing the seed. Discouragement can be thrust aside when we look unto the Lord. Satan's going to attempt to delay us in the work as well. This is an attack on his kingdom, and he's going to fight, and he's going to attempt to delay us in the work. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, that there was something that he desired to do to come and see them, but Satan hindered him. Look at verse, 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 18. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. There's a real spiritual fight and toil that takes place in the work of the Lord. What's the answer to fatigue? What is the answer to even discouragement, it's certainly keeping our eyes on the Lord. But you remember Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31, that says the youths are going to stumble and fall, the youths are going to faint. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. The answer is to simply keep our eyes on the Lord trusting the Lord for His power. Can, the work of the Lord can be discouraging if we have our eyes on the wrong things. Personal issues of life can be a hindrance to the work of the Lord. you got problems, you got real personal issues that start to grab our attention, pull us away, 
We might come out of a missions conference and feel some encouragement, but pretty soon life takes over. Pretty soon life starts again. And we need to be reminded to not lose sight of our purpose. Satan's going to attempt to distract us from the work. In Luke chapter 5, back there again in our text, Peter said, I'm really tired. Jesus told him to go let down his nets, and he said, we've toiled all the night. We've taken nothing. Kind of a discouraged mentality right there. That we've worked so hard and nothing has happened. And now we're tired. Satan's going to attempt to distract us from the work. Personal issues, financial issues, all kinds of issues can be a distraction from the work. But you know what? That's the devil's plan to try to keep us on the shelf, to try to keep us from giving glory to God. Life's full of issues. You know, I want to read this to you. I read it to the men Sunday morning in men's prayer meeting, talking about issues. Things that our evangelist brother Noah George deals with on a moment-by-moment, daily basis that none of us have to. That could be very, very distracting from the work. He said, Hi, pastor and brethren. Things here have gotten noticeably worse over the past 10 days or so. Fuel shortages have caused nearly 50 violent deaths in the last week. Electricity cuts are at around 22 hours a day. And backup generators might only cover about 12 hours a day. Some places are much, much less. Down at the church plant, there is only around two hours a day of electricity. Bakeries have shut down. Pharmacies have closed. Even cooking gas is in short supply. Hospitals are shutting down because of a lack of electricity. Roads are commonly blocked. We had to cut short the evangelistic meeting on Saturday as we had about 100 people and no electricity, no fans, and temperatures of 101 degrees. This past week has been one of the most tiring weeks I can remember in the past couple of years. Day-to-day tasks of filling gas, washing, laundry, shopping, etc. take three to four times as much time and effort. Nevertheless, I've been able to keep up with all the Bible studies, the visits and organizing essential food rations and the special women's project, which is needed now more than ever, but it's not been easy. And he says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. Pray the country would hold together for the sake of the gospel. And pray for the brethren here as we all face these hardships. Thankfully, we've not faced any threats to ourselves besides our energy levels. Smiley face. God is good and Christ is worth every trial and hardship. That's day to day. That's moment by moment. And yet he labors and toils physically and spiritually in the work. We continued on our conversation. I told him about our missions conference and these things. And I told him how much it grieved my heart to hear these things. And 
at the same time rejoicing in what God wants to do through it and how the Lord wants to use him. And he said, likewise, it grieves me at the great destruction and pain that sin brings. But I rejoice that God has produced much fruit to his name in this time. A few hours of talking, studying, and praying, even in the sweltering heat with no electricity, with new brothers like Mustafa, make all these fleeting discomforts all seem very insignificant. These times really are the highlights of my ministry. What a perspective. And what do we sacrifice for Christ's sake? Amen? What are we willing to sacrifice for Christ's sake? Here's a man who hazards his life for Christ's sake. Paul said of his own fellow laborers, these men have hazarded their lives. But Christ is worth every hardship. And what I'm trying to help us to realize and encourage us in is that the work of Christ and what the Lord has for us next as a New Testament church is going to require some physical sacrifice. Are we willing to forsake all, to sacrifice? Are we willing to do it again? Like Peter said, we've already been doing this, but at your word, we'll struggle some more. Amen? What else is it going to require? Well, we look back in our text. The second principle and the last one is that catching men not only is going to require some physical sacrifice, it's going to require some participation. Look at verse 6. After this miracle, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at his knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And then Jesus says, From henceforth thou shalt catch Men, But note this, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. It's very notable that this was probably the catch of a lifetime for these guys. Here, their ships are sinking. They'd never seen anything like it. Their business would be booming. And in, this, in spite of all of that, they forsook it all to follow Christ. But the real point that I want to draw your attention to is that the work of the Lord and being a one who catches men is going to require some participation. The Bible tells us that Peter and those they had to beckon unto their partners in the other ships that they should come and help them. They need some help. And I'll just get right to the application, teamwork, and partnership is an essential and vital part in catching men and in the work of the Lord. The Apostle Paul understood that. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. 
in verse 27. I'm in the right place here. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul's admonition to the church was that they strive together of one mind for the faith of the gospel. You can look in Colossians chapter 1 as well. Colossians 1 In verse 28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. But notice he says in verse 28, whom we preach and we teach that we may present every man perfect in Christ. And he says, I labor here. He's talking about his companions in the ministry. We preach Christ. And we could go to several other passages of Scripture just demonstrating this team mentality, this teamwork and partnership that is so essential and vital in the work of the Lord and in catching men. Jesus Christ started the work. The Holy Spirit continues it through working through His people together. And here's the whole point tonight. I want to encourage you. Encourage you in the work. Allow allow yourself to be used of the Lord. Have the same heart and the same mind. Encourage one another with what is coming ahead. And one way that we can participate, and one way that we can encourage one another is to put our hands to the work. And I want to talk for just a little bit tonight about our ministry, what's coming next, and things that you can help with, things that we need to do. Up till this point, we've been doing a lot of praying about our native ministry. We've been asking the Lord to give us a key to open the doors We've tried some social media aspects and we've had some responses out of that here and there, which we're going to continue to do and maybe revamp a little bit. But I want, I don't know, I don't know how well I've cast this vision for you uh, in our church. And up to this point, there hasn't been a lot for you to necessarily do physically other than pray, but we're at a point now where there's going to be a lot to do. And the vision and the need right now is that we basically try to sow down the entire state of Alaska, specifically native villages, and not just them, of course, but to sow down the best that we can this entire state with the gospel. We're commanded to be sowers of the seed. Amen? And we heard in our missions conference about these evangelists who just get the word of God out. And you remember Brother Lang talking about like bees to honey. Those that God is working in, they're going to be attracted to the word of God. We just need to get the word of God out and find who the Lord is actually working in. And there's going to take some filtering and all of those kinds of things. But there's some work for us to do. What we've 
Don has collected some materials that we're going to use. But first of all, I should probably tell you that what we've been able to do so far is to get at least 5,000 names and P.O. box addresses for a number of villages in Alaska. And what Pastor Humphrey has done so far is he's, he started with 400 people, villages with a, a population of 400 up to 1,200. And we've gotten all of these uh, zip codes, and all of these zip codes are tied to villages. And inside of that, we've got people's names and we've got P.O. box addresses. And it's totaled at least 5,000 so far. And there's many, many, many more. But the goal is, and what we're going to try to do, is every single one of these villages, what we're going to try to do is, is sow down all of these places with the Word of God and see what comes back. We've got eLife Bible studies that we're going to be sending out. We've got these pamphlets on addiction, on anger, on fear, on depression, on suicide, all things that plague our society and particularly maybe even more so the native culture. Trying to address issues that people have. And what we're going to do is I'm going to get a map. And I'm even going to get a map that we're going to put up on the screen out here. And what we're going to do is, is we're going to go through our list of zip codes and, and villages. And we're going to highlight them up here on the screen. And what we're going to do is we're going to put together packets of information with the Bible study. And also, I've ordered a John Romans. We personalized the covers. We put our Royal Bible Institute logo on it, all of our information on it. It's a personalized John Romans. And we're going to put a copy of John Romans in every one of these packets along with the eLife Bible study that goes through the book of John and Romans. And every single address is going to get one of these sent to it. And what it's going to require, and what we're going to do is we're going to highlight it and show you these are the, say, three or four villages that we're targeting right now. Here's how many uh, Bible studies and packets need to be made up. We're going to need to be printing and folding and labeling and stamping and putting all of these things together. It's going to require people's effort, people's hands, participation, group effort. Amen? And what we're going to do is we're going to put them out here on the platform. We're going to highlight where these are going. We're going to have special prayer meetings over these very Bible studies that are going into the hands of lost souls. And we're going to pray. Lord, work a miracle. Lord, open a door. Point us in the right direction. Who are you working in? Help us to know. And we're going to do this until we've covered the entire state. It's going to take some resources, some money. It's going to take some physical effort to print up thousands of these, to fold them, to put them in packets, to label them, to stamp them. But more importantly than the physical effort, it's going to take that spiritual toil to pray. And we're going to see what comes back. And the idea is that if we find through these pockets of interest, people who are responding, wanting to do more Bible studies, that ultimately maybe the Lord will give us 
further direction of where we need to be putting our time and our effort. Let's say we've got in one village three or four people that are now doing a Bible or enrolled in Bible studies and we've got communication with them. Maybe the Lord would open the door for us now to put more effort into this particular village. There are three or four people who've all got families, who all have acquaintances, and maybe we can gather them together. Maybe we get an invite to come to their village, and now we're doing a group Bible study. Invite all your friends. Invite all your family to come. We're going to be there on this date. And maybe the Lord will give us further direction as to where we put resource and boots on the ground. I don't know what the Lord is going to do, but I do know this. The Lord wants to do great things that are going to magnify Himself. I do know that. And it's our job to preach the gospel to every creature. We've been praying about this for a couple of years. And what we need to do is try every possible thing we can do. Rattle doors, turn doorknobs, shake the door, see if the Lord will open up a door to us that no man can close. And we should try every possible thing that we can. And here's something that you can be involved in. We can be involved in together as a church. And this shouldn't be one or two or three people's vision or burden. It needs to be the whole church. And we don't think for a second that that's our only ministry. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We want to be just surrendered to however the Lord would lead. But in all honesty, friends, the native peoples of Alaska are an unreached people group. Lots have tried. And it's hard. And it's difficult. But I really believe we would be disobedient to the Lord if we did not try as a New Testament church. We need to go out into the highways and the hedges. Amen? And so, what we're going to be doing here very soon, I'm putting a map together. I'm going to get a little more organized with our approach so that we can systematically hit every one of these places. We'll get numbers together. I'll bring it to you. I say we're going to need, we're going to need $7,000.